0: Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. I, you know, and I, I loved. I, I remember doing all kinds of stupid stuff because you know, you, there were all these myths, like a Daddy Long Legs. If you put him in a jar and buried him in the yard, he would disappear at midnight. And I would get, catch a daddy long legs and stick him in a jar, go out and dig a hole in the yard and stick him down there, and then get up in the middle of the night and walk down there and, and open it up and see it Of course, he's there. I'm thinking, wow, this didn't work. <laughs> well, I caught two great big old gardener snakes. You know, snake, gardener snakes, garden, Garter snakes, not that big, but you know, they can grow a couple feet long. And I caught two old nice sized garter snakes uh, uh, toward the end of the day. And I walked in and dropped them in the washing machine, uh, my foster mother's washing machine, and, and uh, went up, and you know, at the end of the day went to bed. That morning, I heard a blood-curdling stream. Ah! I jumped up, I said, uh-oh, she found my snakes. And I went down there, how did these snakes get into my washing machine? I said, well, I put them there to keep them. I was going to play with them the next day. And I wanted to keep them somewhere where I could she said, uh-huh, she boiled some water and burnt my snakes up. I mean, poured boiling water on my snakes. I was hurt, too, because I felt like I caught me two nice pets. Hey, I mean, boys are, are, are different, amen? I, I didn't say we're all, males are always smarter <laughs> or, or, or smarter in general, but, but we are different. And these modern cultural trends now. of of suppressing masculinity and homosexuality and transgenderism and and all of that, all of that stuff is just trying to make males be something God didn't intend us to make. And see, when when men don't have a father to nurture them and teach them what it is to be a man and to express their masculinity in a healthy way, of course, they find unhealthy ways to do it, right? They find unhealthy ways to do it gang warfare, and, and and all kinds of other crazy stuff that proves their manhood. And the cost to society is devastating. Saints, it's devastating. This is the canary in the coal mine that is pretending bad things to come if we don't get this thing under control. And of course, part of that is rebuilding the family, getting the family back together again. And I think you have gotta do that at both ends. You have gotta do it by Training up young guys, giving them mentors and influences that will help them to understand what it means if their father's never been there for them, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a husband, what it means to to be responsible in in a good way, in a decent way. Uh, as opposed to these false loyalties of gang members killing people and, and, and dealing drugs and, and enforcing territory. All this stuff that plays into a perverse view of what manhood really is. So look, think of how ironically stupid this is, but this is where our culture is. The culture will affirm a woman trying to dress and act like a man, and the more manly she is, the more the culture will admire her for her courage. But when a man dresses and acts simply like a man, and is a man, the culture will admonish him for his masculinity. I mean, that's bizarre. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres, trying to act like a man, trying to be a man. And oh, it's so great! It's cool. But a man does something manly, and all of a sudden, now wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! Now you know, <laughs> you know, you you're you're going a little bit too far there. Uh, that you're getting into the area of toxic masculinity. I mean, how's a boy supposed to know who to be or what to be when all the signals? Coming at him like he, if he goes to a public school and suddenly one of his friends comes in wearing a dress with a change of name and he does what most boys would do, make fun of that, you're told, oh, that's your, you're, you're being bad. You might need to wear a dress one day. You might be a girl. So don't knock, don't knock Johnny, who is now Jane. And I'm not saying that bullying people who are going through that kind of thing is a good thing. What I'm saying is you are sowing confusion into the minds and hearts of young boys who now don't know how to be. Yeah. So look, I just want to say for the record, I don't wear earrings. I don't get my nails done. I don't watch Hallmark, <laughs> except the humor of my wife, of course. I don't need a good cry occasionally. (laughs) I don't need stuffed animals to comfort me. (laughs) My wife loves stuffed animals. She has stuffed animals in the bed, and she'll tell you, if I get in the bed and stuffed animals on my side. (laughs) Look. I like action movies, I like boxing, I like ultimate fighting, I like male type stuff. I, I enjoy it, it's, it's who I am, I don't know, we we've gotta stop letting boy, having boys apologizing for this stuff because what we end up getting is, by their not knowing how to channel that masculine energy, that testosterone, what we get is, like I said, this perverse idea of what a real man is. Like a real man can shoot somebody because they disrespected you. And that's that's perverse. That's because they're not getting the kind of guidance that they need for that inherent masculinity that is on the inside of them. Now look, I'm not saying this to imply that men don't have weaknesses. Of course we do. In fact, this whole message is about dealing with the weaknesses that we're seeing in the males of our population and how to help them be healed and how to help them be whole, amen? Amen, amen, but but look, the, the new psychology says that boys uh, are the way they are because of social pressure. If you leave a boy alone, he will just as well want to wear a dress as he wants to wear pants. And he will just as well want to go pick flowers as he wants to go play football. I mean, that's where we are. That that's what the society is saying. And it's just not true. Amen. You know, now that everybody's talking about the fact that, well, you know, you, you've gotta give people the, a time to, to, to figure out their gender. I didn't need any time to figure mine out. Did you? And now we're being told this, you know, we we'll are give them, don't, don't put down the child's gender on the birth certificate because that's bigoted and narrow-minded. Because I know it might look like a boy, but it's really, it could be a girl. I mean, the most, the craziest thing I've ever heard allegedly intelligent people say is, you know, you might be a girl in a man's body. No. If I've got a man's body, I'm a man. That's the way God made me, amen? Amen, amen. amen. And, and you know, they are, they are now, this language that they're using, they're telling boys, there's a non-binary way. And non-binary means, don't think of things as being male and female. Don't think of things as being masculine and female. There's a non-binary choice. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced, folks that the absence of fathers and the confusion of society is what's leading to these increases in suicide. Where where men are are really collectively going through a period where they don't know how they're supposed to be. I mean, I was reading something about about a college campus uh, uh, not too long ago, and it was saying that the rules on campus say that you must ask a girl's permission before you speak to her. You must ask her permission before you, you compliment her. You must ask her permission, to ask her permission. I, I mean, in other words, you can't even have a conversation. And if you compliment, if a guy compliments a girl, he could be in trouble for sexual harassment. And the fact of the matter is, that, and thank God for marriage, But women look good to men. And I mean, I don't care what they say, I've never seen a man look good to me. (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) But it don't work that way. So, so here you got some guy in college and he sees some girl that he finds attractive and he says, wow, you know, that 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 is really I, I really love that outfit you got on or or, you know, or something. Along, oh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now he's thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I do wrong? I remember we were going through the period. I don't see it happening much today, but I'm sure in some circles it will. You hold a door open for a woman and that was insulting. I can hold a door for myself. Well, then hold it then, blam. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> Because here again, it, 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 is, it is absolutely, I believe, wired into us. I believe it was wired into Adam to want to protect and defend his wife. In fact, our, the mess we're in right now is the result of his abdicating that responsibility. And, and look. Here again, this is something that the world doesn't doesn't like and doesn't want to hear. But this is the reality. For for the normal man, you threaten him or you threaten his family. He becomes dangerous. I believe that's the way God wired us to become dangerous when we need to become dangerous. Amen. 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 Well, look. The thesis of this message is we are destroying manhood. We are destroying males. We are we are grinding them up and we've got to do something about that because the, 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 the impact, the long term impact of that is terrible for the health of society. So I want you to look at a, a passage of scripture in the book of Ezekiel um, and and just I, I want you to meditate on this. It's not something that that is normally studied or looked at, but I want you to see something about how God feels about the importance of men. Now, we all know Malachi uh, chapter 4, where it talks about the, the, God's turning the hearts of fathers to the children, hearts of children to their fathers. And, and that, that's a part of this. But I want to look at something else for our purposes here. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, I'm going to read you a, a series of verses because, uh, a smattering of verses, because I don't have time to go through the whole passage. It's just too long. Uh, But you can go back and read the entire thing later for yourself to get the context of it. But I think you'll get the essence of what this passage is teaching here. Now, remember, when Ezekiel was prophesying, uh, Israel was in exile under Babylon. So they were already in trouble. They had rebelled against God. And as a result, they were facing very, very difficult circumstances. Okay, many of them had been uh, 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 sent uh, away into exile in Babylon. We know that's, that's what happened to Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego and so forth. And so Ze- Ezekiel is prophesying to the children of Israel about what God wants to do for them to restore them. So look at uh, chapter 36 and first just verses 1 and 2 say, and you son of man Prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, "O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Just thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. In other words, God said, because your enemies, in this case, Babylon and later on, of course, Assyria and Syria um, and, uh, and, uh, and Persia uh, take over Israel, And of course, ultimately, Rome is in control of Israel by the time Jesus is born. But because this is happening, because they say, ah, your heights have become our possession, God says. I don't like that. I don't I don't like somebody claiming ownership over what is mine. Ezekiel, the verse seven, uh, 36, seven says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. In other words, God says, I am going to deal with them for what they have done to you. You know, this is an interesting irony. When the children of Israel would rebel against God, they would become weakened and God would allow them to be overrun by other nations. But then God would also judge the other nations who overran them and say, who do you think you are overrunning my people? Amen. Amen. It's a paradox. But God let it be known, but they ultimately belong to me, and you are never going to destroy my people. I, see, I, I really believe that God feels the same way about the United States of America, that, that it ultimately belongs to God, and he is not going to allow the enemy to destroy this nation. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Verses 13 and 14 say this. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, listen to this closely now, you devour men and bereave your nation of children God says, therefore, you shall devour men no more, nor bereave your nation anymore, says the Lord God. Now, what does that mean? The enemy says to the children of Israel, you're responsible for the destruction of your men. You're responsible for the bereavement of your children. In other words, your children both dying and being bereaved over and bereaved because they have lost their parents. Remember, I mean, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got completely separated from their parents and were made slaves in, uh, in Babylon. 22nd and 23rd verse says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake. This is important. O oh, house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nation shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before your eyes. And you know that gives me such hope. Because you know what God is saying here? Israel, you don't deserve it. But I'm gonna, I am going to demonstrate that you belong to me. I'm going to let the nations know that you belong to me. And later on, he says, I'm going to put my word in your heart. Now, there's going to be a, a conversion. God's going to make a change in their hearts and in their lives. I think he's looking ahead, of course, to the existence of the church, the ch- coming of the church into being. Uh, he says, I'm going to t- take your heart of, of stone out of out of out of your heart of flesh. And I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you. So so God lets them know there's going to be a change down on the inside of you. But notice he says, but I'm going to do it because I'm the one who called you. Because I'm the one who established you, because I'm the one who made you. And i tell you what, that, that ought to give us a great deal of hope. That, that where God's name is attached, God will defend his name even when the people don't deserve it. Yeah. Amen. And I know God looks at the United States of America sometimes and thinks you all don't deserve it. But, but God's name is attached to this nation. And has been attached to this nation, I shared that last week, has been attached to this nation from the very beginning and from the very inception, from the very time that people landed on this continent, God has been in the forefront. His name is attached to the United States of America, and I don't believe that God is going to abandon us for his namesake. Amen? Amen. All right, go to verses 35 and 36. It says, so they will say, this land was desolate has become like the gar- this land that was desolate, has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Now I wanted you to see all of that context for the next two verses, which are the most important. 37 and 38. Notice this. It says, Thus says, if you have this, you can read it with me. I'm reading from the New King King James Version. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock. Now stop right there. Wow. You know, and the fact that this this is coming at the end of this long Description of what God wants to do with the children of Israel says this is this is the crowning proof that I'm in This is the crowning proof that I'm for you. I'm gonna let you ask me to restore men See because I and I really believe that this happened with Nebuchadnezzar even though the Bible doesn't go into it whenever Conquerors met resistance in a particular place in order to break the resistance. They kill the men when they finally conquered a place, they killed the men. Because they knew that the men were the heart of the resistance. You kill the men, and the women will fall in line. You can say amen to that, because it's the truth. I mean, generally speaking, women are not gonna organize into guerrillas. Generally speaking, they may join something like that, but generally speaking, women are not going to be the ones to take the lead in trying to kill the enemy. And so they would kill the men and then turn the women over to their men. Are you all hearing me? God says, I will let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. In other words, they need this, and I'm gonna let them ask me for this. I will increase their men like a flock. Obviously, there was a, there was a lack of men, and God said, but I'm gonna put men back in their place. And say, this is what we need God to do for the United States of America. God needs to increase our men like a flock. Amen. I mean, what do we talk about in our churches? And if it doesn't apply to you, just let it go right over your head. But what do we talk about in our churches? The lack of backbone. Yes. Pastors are half afraid to say what needs to be said. Yes. They, they don't want to speak up. They don't want to offend anybody. Now, some member might leave. They might not give their time. I might, my, my, my attendance might go down. I mean, just, just as scared as they can be. Scared of their own shadows. And then it says in 38th verse, like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem on his feast days, look at this, so shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Now, obviously, God means wants women there too but there's something about the judgment of God that has fallen onto the children of Israel that has taken away their men. 93% of the people in prison, men. Suicide rates skyrocketing among men. Murder rates in some areas where I said, for uh, young Americans of European descent, suicide, and and, and in some cases, these are still rare, but in some cases, mass killing, because some literature argues that the mass killing by young white guys is really just a way of committing suicide. That that's what they're really trying to do. And usually at the end of that process, they kill each other or they're killed. And young men of African descent, and to some extent of Hispanic descent as well, killing one another. so that you've got an out of wedlock birth rate that is just absolutely staggering. And raising up, of course, men and women, but now we learn, but the boys are far more devastated by the absence of their fathers than the girls are in terms of the impact on society. Now, internally, they may have the same hurts, the same pain, but they're processing it differently. They're not winding up in prison or killing themselves as a result. Now, what, what's, so, and here, but, but here, look at this last sentence. Let's not leave this, this last sentence out. Let's read this last verse again. Like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days. In other words, you know what those are, right? They're perfect specimens. That was the best that's been brought for, before God for sacrifice. He said, so shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. You know, well, Lord, as if all that you've done before proves it, right? But God said, yeah, but we know what? When you see men, when you see my men gathering, you know I'm moving. Amen. Yeah. It's almost as if God's saying, as hard-headed as men are, you see them gathering together like flocks for sacrifice, that's me. Are you all hearing me? See, we, we've, got, we've got a problem in our society in terms of raising up our sons to be the kind of men that God intends them to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what's the implication of all this? Well, first it implies, of course, the destruction of men is a plan of the devil. The destruction of men is the plan of the devil. But the crowning side of revival and awakening is when men begin to take their rightful place in God and in their families and in society. See, there's not gonna be an awakening with men sitting in the background. Amen. That's right. An awakening is gonna bring men to the forefront That's right. as men of God, amen? amen? Amen, amen. So if lack of men is the canary in the coal mine, yeah. the flock of men is the sign of God's restoration and favor. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. This is so important. God says, I want Israel for, to pray for me to do this. Increase men like a flock. See, how often is this taught? <laughs> I, I said, this is not a passage that's talked about very much, but I think it's one of the most powerful passages, particularly in our culture today. By the way, this is happening worldwide. Men are suffering worldwide. I just know more about what's happening in the United States of America, but you read the literature and you see the same patterns in other places as well. It's like there's a worldwide conspiracy by Satan to destroy manhood. Absolutely, Glory to God. And you know, men stand up and wanna celebrate their manhood and oh no, that's an attack on the LGBTQ people. That's an attack on women. Well, somebody better stand up for men. Somebody better say, look, listen, men need to be affirmed. Men need to be reminded that we have a special anointing and calling on our lives by Almighty God to be what He intended us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. And by the way, now, look, I'm going to say a couple of things and I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I really believe this based upon what the old covenant says in the book of Genesis that women were created as a symbol of God's kindness and compassion and that men were created as a symbol of God's dominion and authority. Mm. Now, that does not mean that women can't be figures of authority and it does not mean that men can't be kind and compassionate. I'm talking about the predominant wiring that God put in us. I, I think I told you all, I read one book that said one guy was saying, Yeah, when we were growing up, you know, we would, we would, we would harass our mother, and she would tell us to stop, and we would keep doing it, she would tell us to stop. Saying she would cry wolf and cry wolf and cry wolf until we finally just wore down. Saying we would do it, and our father would tell us to stop one time, and he didn't cry, wolf, he became the wolf. <laughs> so we stopped. <laughs> So it's not that women can't be figures of authority. God bless the women who are forced to raise their children by themselves and do a great job of it. But that's not God's best. And that often doesn't work out very well. Amen. 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 So look, in this context, Ezekiel 22:27 27 brings comes alive in a new way in the context of what I've just taught you about this book. You recognize these verses? Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Men off track. Men doing what they've got no business doing. And then Ezekiel 22:30, just a couple of verses down. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So completely corrupt, God says I couldn't find a single man that I could put forward to help me bring these men into line. Of course we know that that is in part pointing to the fact that there is a man coming and his name is Jesus, amen? amen amen so that the men left over in exile had fallen into idolatry and corruption and God was trying to pull them out we see God pulling them out but you see here what God is saying he's trying to find one man and then Ezekiel 36 he said you know what pray for me pray pray to me I'm gonna give you a flock of them